I mean, vaping is, is, is the most popular quitting method in the world. It appears to be the most effective aid to quitting it, and yet there's so much misinformation about vaping and about nicotine. I wrote the book to give smokers the evidence to make an informed choice about vaping. Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is a special edition, a holiday edition of Reg Watch. And joining us today is Dr. Colin Mendelson. Colin, how are you? Good day, Brent. Very well, thanks. Thank you for coming back on the show. For our viewers who don't know much about you, which I'd be hard hard to imagine because you definitely are well known here in North America. You're in Australia. Fill our viewers in a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a, a tobacco treatment um, expert, I guess. I see patients about their smoking, but I have an academic side. I've been an associate professor in the School of Public Health and Community Medicine at the University of New South Wales. Um, I'm the founding chairman of the Australian Tobacco Harm Reduction Association charity, and I'm on the guidelines committee that develops the Australian guidelines. What we have you on uh, for the first half of this uh, show here is that we are in between uh, Christmas and New Year's. And so we wanted to talk about stopping smoking, which in the end, that's really the goal of all the vaping conversation. Of course, though, for lots of vapors like me, it keeps me from going back to smoking. But this is the time when people are talking about quitting. And you've just written a book. Tell us about this book. Yeah, look, there's, I mean, vaping is, is, is the most popular quitting method in the world, in, certainly in Western countries. And it's appears to be the most effective aid to quitting it and yet there's so much misinformation about vaping and about nicotine and you know there's the junk science there's the misleading media it's seriously misleading people and it's missing we're missing a huge opportunity so i wrote the book to give smokers the evidence to make an informed choice about vaping so it tells them what they need to know in terms of the safety and the effectiveness uh, regulations and the arguments against vaping. But it also gives a practical step-by-step -step outline on how to actually make the switch. I mean, it's, it's quite overwhelming as a new vapor. And, you know, you've got to decide what device to use, how much nicotine to use, learn all the terminology, you know, mouth-to-lung vaping. Um, how much nicotine to use, uh, how do you vape, how do you vape safely. So the book covers all those practical aspects. But it's also for vapors. I think uh, the vapors often, early, early, early vapors in their career often have still a, quite a lot to learn and still working on finding the right device. So it's a help for them. People are always telling them, look, that's worse than vaping, than smoking, or you'll get popcorn lung, or you'll get lung cancer in 20 years. And I think they need to know the facts to be able to uh, feel comfortable about it rather than be discouraged. But the third thing I wanted to explore was why is vaping so controversial? I mean, I naively thought that once we had the evidence, uh, people would embrace vaping. But in fact, it's the very opposite. And I wanted to understand that in the book. Is, is an explanation, as, as I see it, of why we have this violent anti-vaping opposition. And it's not about the evidence. It's about everything but the evidence. It's about ideology, vested interests, politics, um, uh, financial issues, 
fear of new technology, moral values, and so many other things. So I think someone who's thinking of vaping needs to realise it's not because vaping's uh, a problem that there's this opposition, it's because of all these other factors. But I've been working with smokers for over 40 years now, and it's always been a struggle. Uh, and I'm supposed to be a smoking expert, but the smoking rates have been, the quitting rates have been so low. And, you know, my experience with vaping is, is supported by the evidence, and that is that it helps so many people to quit who can't quit with other methods. Uh, it's the most exciting development we've seen in at least 15 years, and, and I think it should be embraced. And yet there's all this relentless opposition. Um, so, you know, the book is, is aiming to, to uh, counter some of that. So, obviously, quitting smoking is difficult. I mean, I, I did it, um, and uh, thankfully I did use vaping uh, in the w manner in which I ended up staying quit. Uh, vaping was what did it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard to do. So for somebody who's out there listening to this right now that may not have started vaping, what's the biggest hurdle um, to help them get there? Yeah, look, I ask all my vaping patients why vaping has worked for them, and there are two answers. One is they say it's because of the action. You know, it's the whole ritual, the sensations, and that conditioned behaviour. And when you quit smoking, and the treatments are available, can help you to quit, but you miss that whole action that goes with smoking. And the other thing they say is it helps to prevent relapse. So, you know, if you're at a party, having a drink, getting stressed, being with other smokers, you're going to feel like a cigarette because that's what you do and that's what your brain tells you to do. Having a vape prevents that relapse. So it gives you the nicotine you're addicted to, it addresses the behavioural side of things and prevents relapse. I mean, it, it really has it all covered. Mm. Now, uh, I want to make sure that we do this more than once during the show. So the book, uh, where can you buy it? So our audience here in the United States and those in Canada, are they able to get this book? Yeah, look, the book is being printed in the U.S. and in the U.K. and in Australia. So they can just order it from Amazon or Barnes & Noble or one of the big online booksellers. So it's, it's, it's easy to get and it's just shipped locally uh, from, from those, those booksellers. So I'm just going to, for those of us, uh, those small number of viewers that are actually watching this in our audio podcast, the book is called Stop Smoking, Start Vaping, The Healthy Truth About Vaping. Now, um, I love that. Well, stop smoking, start vaping. I mean, that's like, I mean, that's like, yes, sir. Yeah, well, I mean, we tell, we've been telling people to stop smoking for years and, and they've been trying uh, unsuccessfully. And it's still the leading preventable cause of death and illness in Australia and in the rest of the world. And, you know, we're just not doing enough to help them. We're just sort of, many countries are saying, well, we just need to keep doing more of the same thing. And it's just not working. In the clinical trials, using the best medications, the quit rate, it is six to 15% of at quit attempts compared to control. That's using varenicline or NRT. And that, that's just not good enough. The vast majority of people are not being successful. And, and we just need to be doing more. We've been resting on our laurels. And vaping's not, the smoking's not very sexy. It's sort of gone off the radar, but it's still um, a major cause of, of death and illness. So, you know, we've got this 
effective treatment, we should be using it. I, I want to, uh, and, you know, this is a bit casual. I should almost take my tie off, you know. If we're shooting this, obviously, before the holiday. So this is the last uh, interview we're doing for the year. And what a year it's been, I have to tell you. Um, you know, I, I can't help but wonder, knowing how hard quitting smoking really, truly is. It's really tough. It's not just this thing that's just easy to do. And it seems to me that this book, I mean, instead of talking about vaping and all of its attributes, it's really designed like the biggest impediment to quitting smoking with vaping is to getting over the misinformation. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I think the evidence is fairly clear, but there are so many well-funded and well-organized anti-vaping organizations that are spreading misinformation. And the book is designed to counteract that. You know, I use over 400 references in the book. So I'm trying to show that actually we do have very good evidence. Um, you know, if you go to the Royal College of Physicians, Public Health England, the NASM in the U US, um, the evidence is there and, and the thousands of research studies. Um, so we have the evidence. And, and my, my job as, uh, in writing this book was to make that evidence available for smokers and vapors in a way that they can believe and, and read and understand. Uh, so it's, it's trying to bring that information to people so they can make their own decision because they want to quit and they try and quit regularly and they fail regularly. Uh, so here's another option. You know, just doing more of the same thing isn't going to work. And, and we've been doing that for years. We, we've gone as far as we can, and yet we still have a major problem. We need to try something different, something effective. And, and the evidence of vaping is, is very strong. Now, most first world countries, um, pretty much, you know, regulations ban people from making any kind of comment that says that vaping is a tool that you can successfully use to quit smoking. Like you actually, like in Canada, it's actually against the law in certain. Yeah, ways. yeah, yes. And, and in Australia. And, and I was very careful with the book. I, I, I got thousands of dollars of legal advice to make sure I wasn't crossing any of those boundaries. Because, you know, you can't say things like that. You, you can't promote vaping, which is extraordinary. You, you can't say, you know, this will, this is a quitting aid uh, as such. There, there are so many, you know, rules about what you can and can't do, which basically are barriers to people using what, what's probably the most effective quit method we have. Yeah, that's curious. You know, I mean, you can understand using, uh, say, the United States as an example, the FDA and one of their one of the raison d'etre for creating the FDA was, you know, all the patent uh, medicines out there, you know, basically people selling snake oil, that kind of stuff, right? Making claims about tonics and so forth in the 19th and early 20th centuries. And so that's why the FDA has existed to prevent people from making those kinds of claims. Now, though, it just seems that it's kind of uh, market protection for pharmaceutical companies. It certainly seems like that. I think... What the FDA and our TGA and the MHRA, or they in the UK, they are doing this, but they just need to get out of the way. They just need to accept the evidence and let people do what people want to do. I mean, I think, you know, I often come back to the harm principle with vaping, and that is that people should be allowed to do what they want as long as they're not harming anyone else. And with vaping, that's certainly the case. And there's no role for government to, to regulate that. Well, Everything should be regulated, but there's no role for government to, to, to ban that. 
if, if no one's being harmed and, and there are huge potential benefits. Yeah, it seems strange. You know, a lot of people um, lately, and you know, have been experiencing around, you know, a certain uh, particular global pandemic that's going on, some constraints around what they're able to say and getting uh, censored on social media. However, if you're a vaping supporter and wanted to promote vaping in a certain manner on Facebook and Twitter and so forth for a long time now, long before COVID, you had to be very careful with what you're saying. And, you know, what does it mean if then, you know, people come up with some great options, uh, some home remedies of some sort for any particular kind of an issue or an affliction, and they want that word of mouth uh, to spread the news of this great thing, and you can't until because uh, the FDA says you can't. Yeah, but look, the difference, of course, with vaping is that we have lots of evidence. But there's, what, what really distresses me about this debate is that there's a huge double standard for vaping. So anti-vaping uh, people say that we should have at least 30 years before we can be sure that vaping is safe. But when they produced a COVID vaccine, already within a few months, that was absolutely fine. We didn't need long-term proof. We, you know, we were worried about COVID, as we should be about smoking. So suddenly, we didn't need 30 years of evidence. So, you know, th th there's, there's a lot more than evidence going on here. There's all sorts of um, background, background motivators behind the opposition to vaping. Let me ask you, in terms of this book, how long did it take to write it? Yeah, look, I've been working in this field for 40 years. So, you know, the evidence uh, around smoking and vaping has been gradually building and I've been following it very closely. So it actually took me only six months to write. Much of what I've put in the book is, is stuff that I've written before in various articles and, and blogs and so on. So the, the time, time to write the book was not long, but the preparation, I guess, was, was much longer. Um, so yeah, six months altogether. Right, right, and it is a real piece of work. It's three hundred and forty-six pages. Yes, look, it just got bigger and bigger as I was writing. I realised more and more needed to be said. Um, it was originally meant to be just about the evidence. Then it became about well, how do you actually make that switch? Because if you're a, a smoker, it's very hard to get accurate information, and there's a lot of terminology. Um, there's a lot of, of um, uh, information to take on and people sometimes try vaping the wrong way uh, doesn't work for them and they they give it away and that's a real shame I think if you do it properly you you have a much better chance of, of being successful and I think people often don't uh, um, have that knowledge that they need when they start just just like we provide for any other treatment let me ask you, as we're kind of going through this quick start guide for smokers, a lot of this depends on living in an area that is amenable to vaping. And Australia currently is not. And feel free to start, you know, providing us some information about that. Yeah, I think the book is written uh, with the Australian regulations and context in mind, but the vast majority of it applies to, to the rest of the world. So I do specifically reckon, uh, describe the regulations in Australia, but uh, there's a lot of reference to international uh, circumstances as well. So uh, I, think, I think, you know, we've had a lot of interest globally, I must say, and, and I'm pleased about that because I think the problems apply everywhere. They're, they're certainly 
um, more harsh in Australia, but the same evidence applies, the same guidelines for getting started. In Australia, you're required to get a prescription for nicotine. And we, we have to say that in the book. And of course, I point out to international readers that that's not relevant for them. But you know, we have an absurd situation in Australia where it's easier to smoke than it is to, to vape. So if you want to vape, you need to go to a doctor to get a prescription, convince the doctor that it's appropriate for you. Most of the doctors have no idea what you're talking about. Um, they, they, don't, um, they don't know about vaping. They haven't been trained. They don't know how to write a prescription. They've been told for years that uh, vaping is, is, is risky. And also there are legal issues for them. They're being asked to prescribe a product which is not approved by the medicines regulator. So if there was some problem, well, they're theoretically at risk. Uh, and so if you get your prescription, then you've got to somehow navigate the importation process. So you can't just buy nicotine from Australia. You've got to import it from overseas. And if you're a smoker, uh, importing nicotine uh, and going through those those the, the, those hoops to to import, work out what you need. Uh, it, it's very challenging. Email or upload a copy of your prescription to an overseas vendor so it can be enclosed with your order. That's right. You have to send your prescription to a, to the vendor overseas. They return it with your order. If the border force intercepts your parcel and it doesn't have a prescription you are at risk of a fine of $222,000. Whoa. And, and you heard me correctly. Uh, if you're caught with nicotine liquid in Australia without a prescription, every state has penalties of up to $30,000 and three states could put you in jail for having nicotine without a prescription. Now that's not being enforced, but it's hanging over people's heads. So it's discouraging people from vaping and it's, I think it's very harmful. Now, there's, yeah, there's something very insidious about that when regulators, uh, lawmakers and the regulators, um, you know, enact laws with huge, massive penalties and repercussions, knowing that they're never going to really be able to enforce them. Or if they do, it'll be selective just to make a point. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's very unreasonable. And, and what's most disturbing, Brent, is that you can walk into the nearest gas station and buy a pack of the cigarettes without any checking. So, you know, it, it, it's absurd, unethical, it's unscientific to make vaping less accessible than it is to buy deadly cigarettes. I mean, this whole thing is tragic on, on a, the larger level, whether it's Australia, US, Canada, places in Europe and so forth. I mean, when I first started vaping, and I've shared this story a, a couple of times with viewers, is that I had to judge for myself the, the sustainability of vaping as a viable alternative to my smoking. And one of the things was, you know, how hard is it going to be to get? Because I could be in the middle of a desert island almost and still be get a pack of Rothmans or a pack of Marlboros. You know, I mean, I could trust that I could be anywhere in the world. I was in China, like in the middle of nowhere, um, able to still get some Chinese cigarettes, right? I mean, their smokes are everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. And that's the problem for vapors. If you run out of juice or if you break your, your device, uh, that it can be very difficult to, to get uh, a replacement. Whereas you can, you can go to the, 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 the supermarket next door and, and buy a cigarette. And, you know, we're making it hard for people to, to make that switch. And, and that's wrong. 
So let me ask you, if this is a sideways question. Obviously, a lot of our viewers are vapors. You know, that's why they watch our content. So for them who, you know, they have probably reached the point where their advocacy for vaping with anybody left that they know that still smokes, you know, might be, they might have, have a deaf ear to, their, to our vaping friend, you know, communicating. Has there ever been any thought or did you address it in the book, like how a vapor may be able to talk to uh, a current smoker about vaping in the climate that, of all this misinformation? Well, I guess I don't directly talk about that, but what I'm very conscious of is that vapors, vaping is spreading rapidly and it's spreading organically because vapors are telling smokers about it. I mean, just about every patient I see says, oh, a friend told me about vaping or I've converted my mother or my brother. And I think vapors are doing that anyway because, I mean, vaping has saved their lives. You know, people are so grateful they've found vaping. And uh, you have to be very careful how you, you, know, you, you address smokers. You can't tell them what to do, but you can certainly share the evidence with them or share your experience. And I think one of the best things that vapors can do is to share their experience with other members of the community, with their doctor, uh, with members of parliament. And I think once we reach a critical mass where enough people are convinced and the politicians are aware that then that that, that, that their election may be influenced by uh, the support for vaping, then I think we may see um, a more positive uh, response from the authorities. Now, uh, I'd like to get uh, your expert opinion on a particular kind of news story that's out there. We have this curated up on our website. It was just you know published about a week and or so ago. Um, this, of course, is a curated article. This was in the New York Post. Men who vape are twice as likely to have erectile dysfunction. Study. Yeah. Yeah, look, this is so misleading. Um, and, you know, I think w w almost certainly the men who vaped had been smokers. And I think the erectile dysfunction uh, is related to that. I mean, we know that vaping, smoking causes erectile dysfunction. It occurs over many years. You get arteriosclerosis. You, your testosterone levels low, then lower. There may be a small effect from vaping, but this study doesn't show causation. It shows an association, and you know it's one of the many mistakes that um, the media make in in presenting data like this. I mean, this is a very catchy headline. This will get a lot of clicks, uh, but it's not representing the the real story. It's it's implying that vaping is causing erectile dysfunction. And there's absolutely no evidence for that. Now, AJPM, uh, the American Journal of Preventive Medicine, I mean, that's a legitimate journal, isn't it? It is. And look, to some extent, the, you know, what they wrote in the journal was reasonably accurate. They did say there was no causation, but there was some misleading information, I think, in there. Um, and if you read the article in detail, but that's only one part of the story. The other part of the story is that the media distorts this. There was an Australian media outlet recently that 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 basically imp implied that vaping was causing uh, erectile dysfunction, and and the story was all about that. And I remember the doctor who was giving the describing this was rolling her eyes. At, oh, here we go again, another harm from vaping, and you know the message was very clear. Uh, and so it's it's partly. 
you know, I think a, a fault of the journal, but also it's often in the media release uh, it, the, the, the findings are distorted. And then once the media get hold of it, well, they want to make it as juicy as possible. So we end up with, with you know, mis misleading information. What I'd like to see, I, I don't know if, if we'd have access to this, we tend to have it access to it if it's university research that's come out, the university's media department will send out a press release and you can actually track back. You can take a look at the actual paper, see what it says, then look at the summary that was written after also by the researchers, I'm sure with some influence by the department. And then it gets to the, uh, to the university's PR department and then they take it up the next step and then the media just goes crazy with it. Yeah, that's right. And and in the um, in one of the stories I read on CNN about this study, uh, the author said they adjusted for smoking, uh, whereas in fact there was absolutely no evidence of that in the study. So they said they've taken out the, any influence of smoking that was implied what they what they wrote. Actually, I, I, they, they didn't. And I've consulted a couple of other colleagues who know more about this than I do, and they said no, they've only compared um, vapors who smoke to uh, people who, other people who smoked, who didn't vape. And there was no comparison with, with uh, non-smokers. It's, it's crazy because the researcher is actually part doing partially is eliding. Yes, I think so. Like, I think, you know, people start out with an intention to prove something that they believe in and somehow they find it even when it's not there. And I think the way they present it um, will also deliver that result. It, 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 and, but when you look more objectively at it, of course, uh, well, you find, often find different things. And, and that's, what, that's what the people are hearing, and that's why they're confused. One of the um, negative out outcomes of that is that people are losing confidence, I think, in health authorities and in news outlets. Uh, I often hear people say, you can't believe anything you read in the papers, and look, more and more that's true. Um, and, and it's true also for health charities and medical associations that have this anti-vaping view and who are twisting the truth. And I think, I think the implications are broader than just vaping. I think it's undermining our, our belief in, in of medical authorities. Um, and, and it's because you know, and, and we aren't getting that balance. We are, we are hearing the negative stories. Uh, very little of the positive stuff, and the negative stuff doesn't get challenged. And you know, my experience in with the media is that typically they they refuse to um, respond when you complain about an article. If I write, like I contacted the the, um, the journalist who prepared this story about erectile dysfunction, and I got no response. Uh, so I wrote a blog. So hopefully, some people will read it. But they they won't correct in most cases, the, the clear mistakes that they're making. And, and no wonder people are confused. Now, speaking of your blog, uh, we just curated a story. Um, New Zealand puts Australia to shame, new report. And this is uh, from your blog, so let's just head to it here. And so what is the gist of this? Yeah, look, it's really interesting. Like New Zealand, are our, our cousins. They're just across the, the, the Tasman Ocean, very close. And they're very similar to Australia and they have very similar uh, smoke-free laws. And it's like we're running a, a randomised controlled trial on vaping where Australia is the control arm. New Zealand has been very vape-friendly. And, uh, in, in, and of course, Australia is very opposed. 
So the New Zealand government's been supporting vaping for some time. They've set up two websites uh, encouraging smokers to switch and providing the facts. Uh, and smoking rates have been falling faster in New Zealand they have, than they have in Australia. Last year, the, the government uh, passed legislation to formally legalise and regulate vaping. And since then, the smoking rate in New Zealand, the daily adult smoking rate fell by 20%. And there were no other significant policy changes, so we're putting most of that down to vaping. Uh, in, in that one year, youth smoking fell from 3 to 1%. Now, in Australia, uh, we're, we're opposed to vaping and we're making it as hard as possible. Uh, smoking rates have fallen by 19% over six years. Over six years, we've had the same uh, fall in smoking rates that they had in one year when they freed up vaping and made it more accessible. So I, I think that speaks for itself. Uh, and uh, it shows, you know, we, as I say, we're the control arm in this trial and we're, we're suffering for it. Um, but as well as that, last week, the New Zealand government announced its Smoke Free 25 plan, which was a very bold and innovative plan to reduce smoking to, 20, to less than 5% by 2025. And this plan includes, it's a package of a whole range of things, some of which not everyone will agree with, but they're reducing nicotine in cigarettes, they're promoting vaping as a substitute so people can switch over uh, more readily. Uh, they're increasing smoking cessation services. There's a, a dramatic reduction in the number of um, tobacco outlets, which is we've been trying to get done over here for years. Um, they've inter they're introducing what's called a smoke-free generation, which, which means that if you're 14 now, you'll never be able to smoke even when you get to that smoking age. And look, it's a bold plan to deal with uh, a devastating health issue. So, uh, I, and, and I, I'm certainly, I certainly support it. Whereas Australia released a preventive health plan this week with a goal of 10% by 2025, which is a negligible reduction. Uh, they're just doing more of the same thing. There were no new strategies and, and they've reaffirmed their opposition to vaping. So. I think it's a really good example of how vaping is working and support for vaping is leading to dramatic changes uh, and, and in one country, whereas in another country, the, the opposite is happening. Well, it is amazing. I, I like uh, how you put it. You're, there's a controlled experiment going on and, Aust and Australia is the control. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, we're, but apparently we're right though. Um, you know, our, our health authorities have told us that all the other countries have jumped in too quickly and will be proven right in the long run. Uh, so, you know, we, you know, there's no acknowledgement that this is actually uh, the correct way to go. Well, there you go. Well, Dr. Mendelson, thank you so much for joining us. One last little plug for the book. It's Stop Smoking, Start Vaping, The Healthy Truth About Vaping. And you can f go to Amazon. I'm sure you can find it. And... Uh, have a happy new year. Thank you so much, Brent. Thank you for having me.